Okay, as in go. Sorry, one second. Fork Tales, a podcast that feeds the food and beverage world. Oh, awesome. Fortales is brought to you by Vigor, a branding and marketing agency for passion-driven, innovative restaurant, beverage, and hospitality brands. Learn more at VigorBranding.com. If you love what we're serving up, please give Fortales a five-star review on your podcast service of choice. Think of it as a tip for good service. Good morning, everyone. Today, I'm joined by uh, friends and clients, uh, Zidang and... Whitney Lay of Happy Endings Hospitality. We've been working with Happy Endings for, uh, gosh, a while now, um, almost a year, believe it or not, um, on their suite of brands and rethinking how they approach their brands and just helping them move the uh, organization forward. So uh, Dee and Twitney, why don't you say hello and tell us what you do at Happy Endings. Hi. Hello. Uh, I am Z, and I'm the CEO slash founder of Happy Endings Hospitality Group. I think we started maybe 10 years ago, approaching mm-hmm. our 10th year. And we started um, with just one seafood restaurant, but now we've grown to six different restaurants um, with two of the original seafood restaurants. And I think Joseph will probably talk about our names later on. But um, <laughs> Definitely. basically, I do the strategy part, um, strategy, um, and basically just trying to figure out what the best way to optimize um, all the pieces of the company is. And I think a lot of that comes from, I think, uh, Playing poker. Uh, I used to be a poker player professionally until um, until I decided to uh, you know do restaurants. So a lot of that knowledge comes in, and it comes in handy when we're trying to strategize and see how the pieces fit together. Awesome, Twitney. What about you? Um, so my name is Twitney. Uh, Z and I I was part of the founding team for um, Chasing Tales back in 2012, uh, and I guess my role kind of merged into what I call the creative department, which is anything that has to do with Branding, marketing, design, um, even uh, food and beverage. So I do just I just create uh, for fun. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, and and for a, a job too, right? <laughs> <laughs> so there is so many things that we could cover in our conversation today because there's just so much that uh, has gone into happy endings. There's um, just so much to talk about. Uh, it was really hard to try to narrow this down to something that could be discussed in 30 minutes. So we'll do our best, but um, let's start with Z. You kind of mentioned the beginning. So you started as a poker player, uh, did arguably well, and then you were like, Oh, I know what I'll do with all my money. I'll throw it into restaurants. So like, what was that journey and what about restaurants attracted you? Like why, why restaurant industry? <laughs> no, this is really funny because um back then my answer would have been totally different than it is now yeah. so back then i was about 27 years old so this is 10 years ago and I, I just had a lot of money saved up i was honestly doing really well um i mean i was one of the top three players in the in the world online in online poker history not real poker that you see on tv but online poker so we're like more dorky and we click buttons on our mouse the whole day <laughs> um, but um I was probably making about $2 million a year, which was really good back then. That's average over like, you know, a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, this is, uh, there has to be more than just this, you know, just clicking buttons. If you calculate it, every click, I might make like 25 cents or something. And I was just thinking, man, there has to be more than this. So um, I think uh, 
I wanted to start a restaurant because um, I've always been interested. Um, I used to be a server at five different restaurants. I always enjoyed the energy. And um, I also have family from Louisiana that um, that we used to go to every summer and we'd eat um, crawfish and, you know, boiled seafood that they put on the table. But we didn't have anything like that in, in Northern Virginia. So I thought oh, it would be really cool to bring it up. Um, I'll get to work with my uncles who I don't see that often with the recipes and also um you know i enjoyed the restaurants and i just wanted to bring out and then honestly the other half of that i mentioned <laughs> yet is i was really greedy and i just wanted to make more money and i thought it'd be really easy with restaurants as well oh you sucker uh, <laughs> 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 uh, first started joseph like i w- just started dating him and i was like oh yeah you want to open a restaurant i'll help you for like two weeks and then you know go back to do whatever I was doing. And so obviously we both didn't know how much it takes to like open a restaurant. Yeah. And keep it open and yeah. keep it going. Yeah. So what's I really think, go, go ahead. Z. I was gonna say, it was really stupid now that I look back <laughs> on this. But, um, my goal when I was like trying to convince other people to join the team, like my brother, he was much more um, risk averse than me. Cause you know, he was like, let's keep making money playing poker. We're doing really well. Yeah. Uh, I was like trying to tell him that um, we can, um, build four of these restaurants. So we make one, only <laughs> three times to make four total ones and then uh, sell it off and franchise it in six months. That was like my original thought. Nice. Four restaurants that we've never done before. We had zero experience and do in six months. And, and yeah. after 10, ten years, years later. <laughs> and we have six restaurants. So, so maybe yeah. it's uh, happy endings, but naive beginnings. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, it's good, though. I think, you know, I always make the joke uh, when people ask me about um, how I started bigger or why, you know, it, it's something similar, uh, except without being successful at something else. You know, I was young, I was like 21, 23 era, and I thought I knew everything. So that's a fantastic time to like jump into a business is when, when you don't have, I think the wisdom of age and experience to tell you that maybe it's a bad idea or the risk is too high. And, um, so I think that's great now let's, all right, so let's dive into a couple things. One, the name of the hospitality company is Happy Endings Hospitality. I think pretty much everyone listening to this kind of knows what that means. And you may be put off by it, listeners, if uh, you're hearing this, uh, but let's lay some groundwork. We'll get back to the show in just one minute. But first, to say the restaurant industry is tough would be a gross understatement. It takes a certain kind of leader to create and scale successful restaurant brands. The kind of leader willing to grab the bull by the horns. But what does that look like? That's exactly what I cover in my new book, The Bullhearted Brand, building bullish restaurant brands that charge ahead of the herd. In The Bullhearted Brand, I deliver profound, inspirational truisms through the lens of multicultural fables, folklore, and real-life stories where bulls play a heroic role. I couple these stories with first-hand experiences of good, bad, and ugly branding and marketing to deliver applicable, strategic thinking and knowledge. I'm kickstarting the book's publication to cover the cost of production and launch. On the Kickstarter page, you can pledge at different levels and receive bullhearted gear, from super awesome Raglan t-shirts to limited edition hand-signed and numbered lithograph prints of the collage illustrations inspired by those bull stories. Please visit the Kickstarter page and support the project via a pledge, a social media share, or both. Now, back to the show. One, um, Twitney and Z, you're both of Vietnamese descent. Um... And so is the rest of the leadership because it's, it's the family, right? It's uh, ZU and two brothers, O and Hawk. Um, so some probably are balking at this, like, oh, my God, how could you call it something so derogatory? But tell me what was just the idea there? What was the thinking behind the name? And 
Uh, I would love to hear that story. Well, I guess for me, I would say it was inspired by Danny Meyer. So, of course, when we were in our naive stage, um, this is in the beginning where we realized, like, oh, we should read books about restaurants and really learn about how others do it. So we came, we stumbled upon um, Setting the Table by Danny Meyer. We read about hospitality. He's huge on hospitality. And I think at the time, it was kind of like becoming a thing. Um, I don't think that hospitality has been like ingrained into restaurants as it is now. Now it's like, you know, as we dis- we're discovering our brands, like hospitality has to be there for you to even exist. But back in the day, de- back in the day in 2012, it wasn't like a thing. So we, um, you know, took that to heart really. And we're like, yeah, we are about hospitality. So we train up our, our managers differently. We change our uh, systems we were really obsessed with the customer experience and hospitality. We were reading like all the Yelp reviews, responding to Yelp reviews. And we had, you know, at, at the time, I think we only had like one restaurant. So it was easier for all the owners to have like a personal relationship with like, you know, Scott that comes into every weekend with his wife and kids and we would babysit his kids. So we were really big on um, hospitality. So that's what the main reason why we called it happy endings hospitality uh, because of our hospitality. But of course there's like a fun play to it. So, yeah. And, and you guys took that and ran, right? So um, uh, for those who are listening and watching, so happy endings hospitality is the main hospitality company. And underneath that you have the first concept, which was chasing tails. Uh, and at that time it was Cajun seafood kind of fusion. Um, and then after that, the second concept that was opened was role play. Yes. So role play, which is uh, the team basically found a way to make Vietnamese food faster and uh, developed this new concept that would serve uh, street food, Vietnamese street food. And then from there, a few other concepts spawned uh, teas and you, which is an Asian fusion tea house uh, laid, which is a poke uh, slash, um, you know, Shirazi bowls kind of thing. And I'm missing one. Happy endings, uh, happy endings eatery, a happy endings eatery. Right. Which sort of f- like pulled them all together, especially right uh, before the pandemic and, uh, probably helped, uh, us get through the pandemic as well. So these are all names that have sexual innuendos that also play on the food, uh, or at least the culture from where that food comes from. And so you guys just basically took the torch and ran with it. Uh, how do you know what's too far? <laughs> what, what, what names are too far? It's funny because, um, when Tony was telling the story about Danny Meyer and the book, she didn't really go into detail about, um, how, Happy endings came about from that. Yes, we use the word hospitality because he started talking about hospitality, but the other word is um, happy endings, which everyone focuses on. Yeah. Um, so Danny Meyer, one of his main themes in the book was um, it doesn't matter what happened. Um, you always write the ending. Like if you messed up, um, if uh, you know a guest starts off with a really bad experience, always be the one to write the ending. Because when they share the story with their friends, their family about, oh, this, you know, I went to Chasing Tales and then they took two hours on my food. They'll always also tell them the ending but you know the manager came out spoke to me you know was very hospitable with me um gave all of our people free uh, desserts and free drinks and he drank with us or something like that they'll always tell that story so you get a chance to write the ending you can't fix the beginning if you know something happens but you have to fix the ending so that's where we got the happy ending from 
Um, also, uh, we read another book by uh, Tony Shea. Uh, he recently passed away, but um, he was, in case you don't know, he was the founder of uh, Link Exchange, which used to be big, and he transitioned and founded Zappos, mm-hmm. which um, I think uh, uh, he, he got he got purchased for, for like over a billion dollars, the Zappos company. But um, his book was Delivering Happiness, um, and I think he meant delivering happiness to all of his customers and also all of his employees. Um, so we um, read that book, and it became a big part of our culture. So we combined like you know the end, the writing the ending with the happiness part of uh, Tony Shea. We went to visit um, Zappos in Vegas. I mean, it was cool because I already played poker there all the time, and then <laughs> cool to over there too. But we actually went to visit there, and then we were really inspired by him. So yeah. that's how it all came together. And also, what Tony said makes sense too. There's a chance to go viral. You know, people will mention it when they tell their friends because they always tell them the ending. So like, oh, you know, all their restaurants are. Have sexual names? Did you know that? And then, like, it'll be dinner table conversations. Yeah. yeah. So we, it'll, it'll be cool to have that as an added bonus. But you know. yeah, like we try to keep all the names playful, but not, um, uh, I guess, how do you say, it? like, too sexual. It's still cute in a way. Um, if it's like, if it's by itself, like, you won't be able to like tell. Mm-hmm. Maybe when you see all the suites of brands like together, then you're like, oh. I see a theme here. Yeah. And they don't make it too obvious. <laughs> and it also sucked because back then, I think um, the whole Me Too movement hadn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, recently you got, um, you know, all those, like, massage parlors mm-hmm. getting um, some of the bad stuff going on with um, massage parlors and um, people being taken advantage of in mm-hmm. terms of, like, you know, tra- human trafficking and things like that. That happened um, much later than, you know. 2012 it wasn't around yet Mm -hmm. so that kind of hurt a lot um how the culture has shifted yeah well yeah the awareness of it of course wasn't Mm -hmm. around Um, but that seems to offer an opportunity so what what i like about the names is it it sets a tone that um although you're serious about the business you're serious about what you do that you're you're not so serious uh where it's stuffy or boring that there's a lot of fun involved and you had mentioned that the way you treat people outside, but also the way you, you treat the employees inside. And there's so much happening within the organization of Happy Endings that I've been extremely impressed with in that you you really do care about each and every one of your employees. And that is a top-down thing. So you guys take care of yourselves a lot. So uh, for those that are listening and not watching, Z is a man of many gadgets and gadgetry, but not just... Uh, He's not just like a tech nerd from the, oh, look at my new cool Apple Watch. He's like on this journey of life optimization. Uh, so if you're watching, you'll see what looks like a microphone, but it's not. Uh, so Z, let's just break down some of the, the journeys that you're on right now. Some of the things that you're trying to uh, accomplish uh, day in and day out. Huh. <laughs> this is a cool topic. Actually, I'm very passionate about this topic. I think it probably stemmed from poker, um, mm-hmm. where you're always trying to find the little edges and be a little bit ahead of the curve. Like, you know, people will learn a new move in poker. So you, you want to be one step ahead of them always uh, to get every little advantage you can get um, when you're playing at the highest level. So for being the CEO, I kind of realized that a lot of um, it's like we're supposed to treat ourselves as, yeah. you know, we're like running this corporation that that. Um, is responsible for doing so much. So it's, it's like, we have to treat ourselves as like the, as some people call it the million dollar racehorse. Mm-hmm. So it's like what you eat, um, how much you sleep. Um, and some of these gadgets are really cutting edge, but like also it takes care of like, uh, for example, this machine that I'm using looks like a microphone, but it's actually producing, um, 
like oxygen that's uh, that's uh, supposed to reduce my uh, oxidative stress um, from just day-to-day activities. Like when you eat food or when you breathe um, air that's not perfectly clean, you uh, have DNA like damage and it repairs it over time. So it keeps you young longer, basically. Uh, keeps you being able to produce um, at 100%. Yeah, so uh, so it looks like a microphone, just uh, for those that are listening, it looks like a microphone, and then uh, the microphone essentially, uh, almost like one of those teller microphones from an old school bank, it's connected to what looks like a very large calculator with no buttons, and then on the back of the calculator is this glowing, blue, bubbling liquid, which is probably water, right? Or maybe like a solution of some sort. It's um, distilled water, but the machine, uh, this thing's like probably $9,000. So I spent $9,000 on it. But um, every day when I'm in the office, I'll use it for about 30 minutes to an hour. So it's like I can do work and I can, you know, go about my day um, doing work, but also like repairing my brain cells and DNA and stuff like that. Excellent. And then right next to it, we have, uh, well, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> what behind it? So this thing is, uh, oh, shoot, I don't know. It's too bright for the camera. It's <laughs> great. All right, so he just turned on what looks like helicopter lights, but they're br- <laughs> like behind them. So they're like really bright red LEDs, or they, at least they showed up red on the camera. Joe, so you know what's funny? Um, one day, one time, Z, so he usually uses this in the morning, and then he while he was using it, so you're supposed to get undressed so that... You're completely naked yeah. um, because uh, it... it it can penetrate through clothing. It can't penetrate through clothing yeah. perfectly, but it's a, so it's a red light therapy. Um, there's two different wavelengths. One is uh, infrared that penetrates and goes deeper into like your muscles and tissues and brain and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then the other one's the um, red light, which is um, for doing like your skin, hair, keeping you you know young, producing like collagen, just things like that that keep you young on the superficial level. But I use both of them at one time. So you're supposed to be naked and, you know, get close to it. Yes, Wait, so, you- so there's there's a long going stereotype that Asians have the most beautiful hair in the world. Did we just did you just let the secret out of the bag? Is it the red light therapy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. Tony uses it, too, from time to time. So, yeah. Well, um, and, and Z recently uh, chopped his hair. So you, you don't get to see how I met Z, which beautiful hair. So yeah, the red light's yeah. working. <laughs> Very full, voluminous better than mine <laughs> yeah, thank you very much, you yeah i think it helps for sure so um, whenever- you also have this uh this cranial contraption as well so it basically i can't even i don't even know how to begin to explain this but um it, it almost looks like uh a helicopter pilot's head headset <laughs> but it has like different pieces to it and uh tell us about that one this one is, um, it basically is a cranial stimulation device, like you said, and it, it can change the wavelengths in your brain. I have two different types. There's alpha waves and there's gamma waves. So gamma waves makes you focus a lot more. Um, if you need to like zoom in and focus on something and then alpha waves give you a little bit of a more creative focus where you can like, you know, see things from a more, um, a zoomed out perspective. So it depends on what kind of mood or kind of work I'm doing. And I'll, I'll decide between alpha or gamma waves. That's pretty awesome. So, all right, the reason why we're, we're talking about all this is because, you know, obviously the organization can't buy $9,000 pieces of equipment for every person, but the idea of optimizing life or at least being cognizant of your general well-being, I don't want to use the word health, even though it is about health, but it's not about strictly just eat salads because that's diet. It's more like just optimizing your sleep, your thinking, your future, your focus. 
all of that trickles down from both of you into uh, the managers and then into the people below them as well, to the point where I believe the organization bought everyone what's called an aura ring to measure sleep. And yeah, so it looks basically just looks like a metal ring, y'all. It's um, just on on your finger. It t- tell us about this ring and why it was important for you to introduce this to introduce it to team. So I think everyone knows that um, sleep is one of the most um, important things for not just health, like you said, but like focus, well-being, um, mental um, mood, and all that stuff, which affects your relationships, it affects everything else. Um, so, and everyone also knows that in America, we kind of glorify people that don't sleep that much. You know, um, I can sleep uh, when I when I'm dead. You'll hear people say stuff like that. So uh, we realize that a lot of our um, our leaders were having burnout issues. Um, they were, it's a very high stress environment working in restaurants every day, um, you know, doing the same work over and over again. And then they weren't sleeping that much or we had like three to four hours of sleep a night. So uh, we realized that um, if we had, you know, if we wanted them to sleep a more, we have to show with a lot of our actions, mm-hmm. um, not just tell them, hey, you guys need to sleep more. So we went and gifted all the leaders um, from management up um, an aura ring um, just to help them sleep. It's like a device that just... It, it makes it more fun. Uh, every day you wake up, you immediately check your phone and see, oh, how did I sleep last night? You know, it gives you a score. It gamifies it. And then that makes it so, you know, you're motivated to like sleep a little bit longer or sleep a little bit earlier, um, you know, just to get a higher score. So it's helped a lot with our sleep. And I think it helps a lot with their sleep as well. That's awesome. So it gamifies the whole thing, essentially. Yeah, we had a whole um, trimester. We did like a sleep challenge. And every meeting um, we would upload our scores and just see like where everyone averages <laughs> that's pretty awesome we're like as a team we try to average like seven hours or more um so and then yeah, yeah consistently i think we saw some people that were definitely bringing down the average and we're like hey <laughs> <laughs> but like from a from a technological perspective it's probably the most accurate sleep yeah. tracker outside of a lab um, it's, it's that good in technology. I think the NBA just endorsed it for all, all of his players when oh, wow. um, they were in the bubble and it can track like, um, you know, you can just, it tracks your temperature. It can tell, it can predict when you're about to have COVID too. Like for example, with your temperature and your sleep patterns. So it's, it's pretty insightful. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Um, and so I think that's just one taste of what you guys, um, have done for the, the people. And right now in the restaurant industry, we're seeing, I hate to use this alarmist word, but some people have said the real pandemic or the new pandemic is the pandemic of people, of workforce, of not being able to find and attract talent. Many reasons for this, but uh, Happy Ending seems to be very well positioned to attract and continue to attract good talent or uh, not necessarily good talent in that they're so skilled they don't need trained, but more people who are eager and happier to come to work. Um, beyond the the health-related focuses, what else have you guys done to build that culture to attract really good people who become uh, folks that are with you for a while? Yeah, I think the health focus thing has always been kind of part of our identity. So it naturally... You know, we kind of like transfer our knowledge to the people around us. But I think beyond that, it's more of like how we were raised, how we treat people. It's we do a lot of um, leadership, I guess, summits or workshops where we would take a book and then we would create like a whole um, two day event at like our house where we would um, create like 
different stations in different rooms where we learn about different things. So we try to make the topic fun, engaging, um, but we also try to teach a concept from a book. So a lot of our concepts also come from books that we read, self-improvement books like Radical Candor is one that we require for all of our managers to read. Um, so I think that they they really appreciate like the knowledge that we gain personally and we try to like um, give all that some resources to our staff. Um, and besides that, I think that we also, um, like I, I know like the old school way is like, oh, um, you can't let your managers or your GM hang out with your staff and stuff like that. Everything is like very separate. But I think outside of work, we hang out a lot. We, you know, talk to each other like friends. So there's like a, like a very deep level of like friendship and care that we have for each other outside of work. Um, so that's why coming to work, it's like more fun as well too. Yeah. So what's um, the, the reason why that separation, you guys know this, but just saying it out loud, the, the reason why that separation usually exists is because it makes it really difficult to, um, uh, I don't want to use the word scold. I guess I just did, but um, to, to <laughs> reprimand to, uh, Okay, so Z just plugged something into his nose. This is amazing. <laughs> I was trying to calm myself down. <laughs> <laughs> down right now. <laughs> but no. I love it. Yeah. Uh, you, so uh, all the listeners, you will have to take time out to watch the video because uh, it's worth it. But um, and, and I'm not making fun. It's just it's peculiar, <laughs> but in a good way. It's so intriguing. Um, so back to the scolding versus reprimanding. I mean, it is the job of manager to make sure that people are trained, make sure people are following procedure, um, make sure that people are um, safe. And, and I think those things can become difficult when the traditional idea of friendship is at play or maybe an exploitative friendship, meaning, Oh, come on. You know, I don't have to do that because, you know, we're friends, right? So I don't actually have to follow that. Do I, I don't have to scrub the baseboards. Come on. You know, we're, we're friends. How, how have you empowered your people to still be great managers with that friendship? Yeah. Ooh, I guess maybe you would have a different answer, but for me, I think that besides the, the, um, procedure, I mean, procedure processes, checklist systems are what keeps everything running, but we, we tried to do it in a very like kind way where, Hey, this is expected because we're trying to um, protect this culture that we're trying to build so that you can show up and um, have a job and so that, you know, you can show up and have a great place to work at. So everyone has to kind of like police itself as, as well too. But we do um, implement like other systems and like pay for performance. So we have a very like clear like rubric, guidance, checklist and, and expectations of what everyone needs to do. Um, and I think that, you know, you can speak more into it, but it's inspired a lot by Google's uh, culture. Hmm. So. Yeah, everything is very um, transparent mm -hmm. and open because we have nothing to hide, for example. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's uh, one aspect of Google's culture where they have the paper performance thing that's very um, strict. But it's clear because it's like everyone knows, oh, I understand that I did this, so I'm going to get this. Mm -hmm. And I think um, what you were saying about, you know, I'm just, I'm your friend, so you shouldn't enforce it. People, um, when they get in the leadership position, they do see that same issue because they're friends with their staff. And obviously, they know how it feels when the staff might you know, say that to them. So it's like, uh, it trickles down to all of them. And I think, um, in, in 
once you do leadership for a while and you're in, in a leadership position, you uh, realize or they realize over time that if you're truly someone's friend, you'd make their job easier by not putting them in a weird spot where they have to decide between like friendship and then, you know, doing their their obligations. So it's like a lot of people, um, I think most of our people are very aware um, mm-hmm. because they care about us so much. So they're aware to not put us in those situations too often. Yeah, it's a really interesting take. I mean, it's, it's quite unorthodox because there is that old school mentality of like rule with an iron fist. And maybe it's an inherent distrust for uh, entry level um, roles within the company. You know what I mean? So that, that person mops and, and cleans the floors. So I don't really care about them. And they, I just need to make sure that they clean those baseboards uh, or the cooks in the kitchen. You know, they, they just need to focus on what they're doing. But I, I love the way that you guys have fostered camaraderie um, and a mutual understanding that there is a greater good and that greater good does benefit them very well as well. Um, and I think that's quite brilliant. And there's definitely a lot to be learned from the way you guys have handled it. Um, so what's next on the horizon for happy endings? What's what, what can the world expect from the organization and its suite of brands? Well, I would say thanks to bigger. <laughs> uh, we figured out what our true mission and vision is for the company. So we are marching towards that. Um, so one is definitely to continue to build a great company that helps people realize their potential. So beyond just, um, the skills that they learn throughout the job, but skills that they can learn for life um, and skills that they can learn about health optimizations and increasing their like awareness and learning more about themselves um, as they navigate through this world because everything is so unexpected now. Um, and then I guess a few expansion plans. Um, we are rebranding a lot of our brands to, um, I guess, develop uh, an identity for each brand because i think that in the past we've kind of like done it ourselves and we've kind of like used intuition to kind of create these brands but now we really want to develop a strategy to develop these brands so as we you know move forward with those projects we are expanding um so we do have a big project coming up at the end of the year yeah, we'll we'll leave it at that. We'll keep it very, very hush hush. You'll have to check back yeah. and you'll have to follow Happy Endings as well to find out what's happening, when and where. Um, all right. So final ringer of a question, because I didn't prep you guys for this. Um, if you had to have one menu item as your final meal from any of the Happy Endings suite of brands, which would it be? Which which is which brand would it be from? And what what would that item be? Shoot. I'm asking you to like pick your favorite child. <laughs> no, this was really easy for me because um, a lot of times when I, I started after before uh, when I first started, I was into this biohacking um, optimization thing. So I used to eat chasing tails food every single day, but I probably haven't eaten a meal there in like you know five years ever since I started this biohacking because it's, uh, it's honestly uh, not very good for you health wise. Mm-hmm. Of course you need to enjoy it from time but to time. But it tastes really good. Yeah. So for <laughs> me, it was a full chasing tails meal um, yeah. with, with our teasing bubble tea. Cause I stopped drinking that as well. Once I got in, into the biohacking thing, but um, chasing tails with Odang sauce, medium, and then a fried basket of calamari probably. And a teasing you bubble tea. So mm-hmm. just, just a side note. Uh, o is your brother. Oh yeah. So, 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 oh dang, isn't just a phrase of like, oh dang, that's good. It's like really his, his brother's name is oh dang. <laughs> <laughs> Twitney, how about you? Final meal. 
Oh man, I I would have a much tougher time than Z because I I do love all of our food and I I love food in general. Um, <laughs> oh. that, that's an understatement. So while you think about that, the the times that I have uh, had the honor to visit the team, um, Twitney, who is maybe you were five seven. Oh, uh, five six. I'm five two. Five two. All right, you you yeah. present you present bigger um but <laughs> small small frame high energy and girl can eat me under the table every single time i'm like busting out of my shirt i'm like dude i can't eat anymore she's like okay just just this one last place and we'll have a bite there and i'm like oh, okay <laughs> so she when she says she loves food she means it <laughs> yeah oh man well okay i love vietnamese food so i would say like if it's my last meal, it has to be something Vietnamese. So I would eat something from role play. Um, I would say pho. I think pho is my favorite food. And I actually eat pho almost every day. I make my own pho at home. And that's like my staple meal that I eat every day. I love it. There's something about pho that is just so amazing. It's like the heartiness of soup. But like what I love about pho, and and I'll try not to wax on too long here, is it doesn't leave you feeling weighted down you know so it fills you up because it's soup of course there's a lot of liquid involved but rice noodles you know the pho itself is 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 just so light it's light in in a good way um and then just the fresh herbs and and the bean sprouts which i call little stem cells and uh (laughs) you know just it's just such a wonderful dish and uh you know in that way maybe we should thank the french a little bit for colonizing you know vietnam because what they created as a mix of cultures is quite amazing. <laughs> um, where can people find happy endings? Where should they follow you guys? Um, they can find us on hhfood.com. And I think it's at happy endings uh, group on social media, but you know, you can always visit us on TZU, any of our other sites, role play chasing tales. And we'll have a full list of URLs for you guys to check out. And like uh, Twitney and Z both said, there's big things coming as this uh, company continues to grow. And we're really excited and honored to be a part of it as an agency, uh, but also personally really excited and honored to be friends of yours. Um, So, hey, thanks for showing up. Z, I'm always amazed by the biohacking. I'm always interested to hear what's next. And uh, it's such an influence in my life, too. So I appreciate the time you took out this morning and sharing some of your story with us. Thank you so much. Appreciate you having us on. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. If you love what we served up, please follow us at Vigor Branding on Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Medium. Fork Tales is produced by the team at Vigor. Audio and video post productions provided by Zencaster. Music performed by Jet Trash and licensed through musicbed.com. Joseph handles his own hair, makeup, and stunts. Copyright 2003 to 2021, Vigor Graphic Design, LLC, all rights reserved.